0: Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown
1: Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we've got a great guest for you guys, a great interview with Dolphins defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba. We talked about a lot of stuff on this podcast, breaking down his pass rush moves, the pass rush scheme and gap integrity, the cross-chop move that he's become famous for in the NFL, plenty of good inside football stuff, plus we'll talk to him about... One of his favorite sports in high school that you might not have known about. Plenty more here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Plus, we're going to get to Daniel Jeremiah's new updated top 50 and talk about what that means for this year's draft. All of that and more on this Friday, February the 26th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We are going to get into my interview with Dolphins defensive end Emmanuel Ogba real quick here on this edition of Drive Time. But first, I want to update you on the latest Daniel Jeremiah Top 50. He does this every year, the best in the business NFL Network. You guys know who he is. He anchors the coverage of the draft all three days for the NFL Network. He's got his new top 50 list, a former scout in the league, plenty of good content, the Move the Sticks podcast. I cannot recommend his content enough when it comes to the draft and the NFL, and I want to talk about this because as we do on this podcast, we take NFL information and relay it back into a Dolphins, put it through a Dolphins filter. What does it mean to the Miami Dolphins? And What I want to do with this one is take a look at the positional makeup of his top 50. And you look at eight of his top 10 players are on the offensive side of the football. And we talk about this on the off-season preview editions here of the Drive Time Podcast about the makeup of these classes, how the last two years, the receiver and offensive line classes have just been absolutely stout. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I think it kind of sends the balance back in the offense's favor in terms of who comes off the board early in draft classes if That was going to be how it went on draft. And of course, it's going to be a complete crapshoot as it is every single year. We get quote unquote surprises and I'm using finger quotes here, but they're never actually surprises because the draft by its very nature is a surprise every time we do it. But looking back over recent classes... Last year, for instance, five of the top 10 players chosen were on the offensive side of the football. And just for good measure, his 11th and 12th players this year also are quarterbacks, so also offensive players. And we know how the draft goes in that way too, right? Quarterbacks always wind up, you know, jumping a little bit over where they are on these types of rankings as the demand for quarterbacks in this league always remains high. But you go back to 2019 as well, and only three of the top 10 picks our offensive players, quarterback Kyler Murray, quarterback Daniel Jones, and tight end TJ Hawkinson. And that's a good parallel to this year's draft class because, once again, one of the top players in this draft and number three overall on Daniel Jeremiah's big board behind just Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from uh, from Clemson, and behind only wide receiver Jamar Chase out of LSU, he has tight end Kyle Pitts. So there were three players in this year's top 10 in 2019. You go back to 2018 and you've got six players in the top 10 draft picks that were on the offensive side of the football. So you look at eight players on the offense in DJ's top 10, and really 10 of the top 12, that's a one of the bigger disparities we've had in terms of offensive over defensive firepower at the top end of the draft. If it were to play out that way, of course, is a, is just a you know February top fifty list from one of the best scouts in the game. But I find it interesting in the way it balances out the NFL because we had so many runs and swings on defense. We had so many runs where there was elite crops of pass rushers coming through every year, and now we kind of get that pendulum swing back the other way where offensive linemen are just coming in and droves. Receivers are littered all over the league. Guys that can make plays from all three positions out there at the receiver spot. So it makes for a fascinating draft class. And going into a year where the Dolphins really, really excelled on defense last year and all the additions made on that side of the ball, well, you've got some really good offensive options and defensive options as well. But as Daniel Jeremiah notes, 10 of his top 12 players on his top 50 board, all on the offensive side of the football. All right, let's go ahead and talk about a player on the defensive side of the football. Emmanuel Ogba, Dolphins defensive end, nine sacks last year, had a whole bunch of pressures, hits, and hurries, and we had the takeaway breakdown piece that I I published on MiamiDolphins.com about a month ago where I took a look at every single takeaway and in addition to three forced fumbles, the Dolphins were able to scoop up and recover. He also was just a massive part of so many of the interceptions, putting pressure on the quarterback on interceptions. Pro football focus had him with nine pressures on plays that turned into interceptions for the Dolphins last year. So technically speaking, part of 12 takeaways for Emmanuel Ogba, just an absolute beast out there. And, you know, one of the the themes on the podcast throughout the course of the season was the play before the play, right? We talk about the play before a big Xavier Howard interception, the play before a big third down sack. Well, Ogba's name came up over and over again, whether it was a second and two run stop where he forces the opposing offense into a third and three, and then the Dolphins get a stop on that down. Turns into a four-point play because of those stops and the work those guys did. He was consistent in that regard. He plays multiple positions. Went back and watched his tape. He's getting sacks from the nine technique, the wide nine, all the way out wide off the outside shoulder of the tight end. He's condensing inside of the three technique and putting power rushes and bull rushes on big right guards in the National Football League. So he can beat you with speed. He can beat you with power. He can convert speed to power heavy-handed, active hands, and we're going to talk about all that stuff here with Ogba on the podcast. He broke down some of his game, and it's a fun, fun interview. Let's go ahead and turn this thing now over to my interview with Dolphins defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba. And riding shotgun now on the Drive Time podcast. He's number 91 in your programs, number one in the sack column, and in your hearts. He's powerful, long, strong, and one hell of a pass rusher, Emmanuel Ogba. Emmanuel, what's (laughs) up, man?
0: Uh, what's up, Travis? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm really happy to have you on today, dude. It was it was fun to watch you all season long. But before we get into the football stuff, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about one of your teammates and, and just put it to you this way. How privy are you to Shaq Lawson's idea for his dating show, The Love Shack?
0: <laughs> you said an idea, a version of a dating show? I mean,
1: I, I mean he's talked about it to me. I'm wondering how much he's told you about it.
0: Oh well, uh, he hasn't. So this this a first with me. I haven't heard nothing about that. Okay. I, I gotta call him. <laughs> yeah, check with him on that.
1: So it's called Love Shack. He wants to. It's like a like a dating series where like you know the old the old school like I Love New York or the Flavor Flav yeah. shows those type of things. So he's got an idea for it and they're kicking around somewhere. But I, I assumed he had brought it up to you guys, <laughs> but he hasn't.
0: Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I gotta call him about that Love Shack. It got a nice ring to a Love Shack. I don't know why that sounds familiar though. But yeah, love Shaq, I got to call him and ask him about, this, you know, dating.
1: <laughs> Dude, he's the best. Like we, we, did a, we did a podcast with him back in this, during the season. And he was just, what you see is what you get, right? Just laughing and, and chucking it up the whole time.
0: Oh, yeah, he definitely makes the room go, you know. definitely brings him and Christian, they both bring, you know, smiles to the room, bring the comedy to the room.
1: <laughs> Tons of energy there with those two guys. And, you know, you mentioned you're going to you're gonna call him and ask him about it. So do you guys, is there some communication, some hanging out, some working out going on between that defensive line group in the offseason? You guys getting together?
0: Uh, Well, not yet because, you know, everybody wants their time off. You know, we had a long season. So kind of everybody's to themselves right now. But as we get closer, then guys will start coming together, you know, doing workouts and stuff as the offseason
1: comes to an end. So that's something I wanted to ask you about and get into here was, like, when does the clock kind of not strike midnight, but turn over to the... To the next season like obviously you take some time you decompress you you go to a beach somewhere i hope emmanuel hope you had a good vacation uh what when does like the the next season officially begin for you as far as like all right i'm going to get back on this program to get my body in this spot and like when does it start for you
0: usually i start right after the super bowl i'll take like a week after the super bowl then i start um you know kind of progressing i don't start you know intense training but i just start getting my back my body right back you know to where it was you know, just to start my routine again. You know, just to because I know we still have a long way to go, but you know, it's good to you know start it up. You know? Even though you're not going necessarily hard right now, but it's good to you know, nice little startup.
1: So, like more conditioning and kind of like you mentioned, kind of getting the body back to what it was pre-season.
0: Yeah, not not necessarily a lot of heavyweight training and yeah. more yeah, like cardio conditioning and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So, I, what I want to know, Emmanuel, is when you do get into that position where you're. You're going, you're going all in. Like you're, you're doing the heavy lifting. You're, you're getting your body in the peak shape for the season. What is a typical day when you're in that part of the calendar? What does a typical day look like for you in the off season?
0: Ooh, uh, well, I go, in the, I go early in the morning, like around like seven, seven thirty. That's when I get on the field, do field work, and then I get off the field, like let's say like almost nine o'clock, and then I go in the weight room, do weight room work. Um, I get down that. what, around like 11, I'm done. So I'm done for the day, you know, take a break, relax, um, eat. And then at nighttime, I usually like, either like just go do some, like some light cardio work, you know, or just get on the bike a little bit just to move my legs. You know, that's just, you know, stuff that I would do like during the office as it progressed. I don't necessarily, um, go crazy with it. But, you know, it's just it's keeping my body, you know, maintaining my speed and just keeping everything moving. Like your body is like a, a machine. So you got to keep fine tuning every little detail about it.
1: Oh, man, I can't even imagine from an athlete's perspective. Because, like, you know, a person that writes and does a podcast, I, if I, like, am yeah. lazy for one or two days, it continues for multiple days. <laughs> body in motion stays in motion, man. That's that's so true. Uh, so, you're do, yeah. so you do get into the two-a-days in, in the off-season program.
0: Yeah, it's like two days, but not necessarily, you know, the the second part is not necessarily hard because I, the morning part is when I really, you know, get my work in. Yeah. Uh, the second part of the day is just necessarily just, just keep my body moving, you know, not just sitting around all day.
1: So when you talk about field drills, what do, what does that entail?
0: Oh, uh, you know, I like with the bags, the pop-up bags, you know, just some, some password stuff. I work with the bags and, you know, some just D-line specific movements I would do um it's just 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 different stuff and also i, I have a coach so that usually help me out you know i can't do it by myself or well, i work with some of my teammates too or former players that i played with and uh you know just just from there we so do.
1: So you mentioned that you have some teammates and stuff. And I think I've, I've mentioned this to you before. There was a great video from training camp with you and Shaq working on, you know, hand placement and, and getting the guy's hands off of you. And he was talking yeah. about your heavy effing hands, bro. Like he, he, he couldn't <laughs> believe how heavy your hands were. And you know, that's something that the coach hobby had mentioned before. And, and we've, we've talked about yeah. with, you know, your evaluation on this podcast many, many times, Emmanuel, uh, yeah. what's, what's the benefit of those heavy hands. And, and when you're doing those drills, like what's, what are you trying to focus on the most? Like, are you trying to work on, just how to get his hands off of you like where to get your hands what does what does that practice how does that translate onto the field on Sundays
0: um it's just it's just a lot of it's a lot of hand-eye coordination um work that I do and more so when I work on my hands a lot because as a D lineman you need your hands your hands are one of the most important things as a D lineman so if you can keep your hands um fast and active you you go a long way and also like my my thing is to not let the offensive lineman put their hands on me because you know he's strong just like I'm strong. You know if I could get his ass off of if I could get his ass off of me, the quicker it'd be the better for me. The quickest way to the quarterback.
1: So and that showed up on tape this year. Man, I told you I, I went back and watched your sacks from this season, and they came from yeah. a variety of positions, a variety of pass rush moves, but I think the one that really stood out the most to me was the cross-chop move, and yeah. help help correct me here if I'm wrong, because you're the pro, Emmanuel, I want to get your take on this, but it looked like to me yeah. when you do that move, you want your inside hand to get to his outside hand, the tackle's outside hand
0: first. Is that yeah. is that correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. First of all, you have to really like run at the guy, like you gotta sell him like you're gonna like power him, power rush him, and so that will force him to sit to try to brace for it, and that's when they normally shoot their hands and give give their hands, and that's what I'm looking for. As soon as they get their hand, so that inside arm of mine was coming down, and my left arm is grabbing the uh, outside shoulder of their outside shoulder and just kind of running right past them. So <laughs> that's 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 kind of how. I, I learned to move and I studied the move. You know, I had different people, you know, teach me to move. So you know, I've just been doing that.
1: And you kinda use that once you get to that point on their upfield shoulder, it looks to me yeah. like you slingshot off of that like momentum. Like you almost use their momentum against them, right? Like that's how you that's how you kind of turn the corner and flatten to the quarterback. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. As soon as my thing, as soon as I turn that corner, it's a wrap. I'm coming full speed, and I see that quarterback with the ball. Oh, I'm coming full speed. It's like a, it's like another gear, like just snaps in me.
1: There, there was two really good examples of that this year. I thought one was the 28 yard sack on Joe Flacco, where Eric Rowe yeah. comes clean and forces him to you know pirouette and turn around four or five times. And then, like you mentioned, you worked up field, you kind of stayed on your block, and then once you saw him him peel back, you did that. And yeah. there's a combination of the other play was the Cardinals game where you got Kyler Murray. Which, by the way, getting that guy in the open field, let's just give you a quick round of applause for that. That's that's one of the the most undoable things in the National Football League. But it, like. It, is it, is it like that, that you see, you sense blood in the water. Cause like you do kind of explode mm-hmm. off that, that one step where you see it and then the length and the kind of dive to get them to the ground, man. Like, is it a blood in the water thing for you?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. My eyes get so bright. As <laughs> soon as I beat the offensive tackle and I see the quarterback still has the ball. Oh my God. It's like a, a light bulb just goes <laughs> off in my head and my eyes just bright. It's, I wish the camera can just zoom in on my eyes, you know, as I'm rushing. <laughs> so because as soon as I beat that line and I see the quarterback still have the ball, oh, no, it's like a full speed right to him before he can throw that ball.
1: <laughs> we got to get an manual cam, an exclusive manual cam during the game. So I, I would love to see that. Yeah. Uh, d- <laughs> That's good stuff, man, because, you know, I going back and and watching those sacks again, like I mentioned, it's 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 consistent in the way you do it. But, um, you know, you, you go through you go through an entire game and you mentioned like your eyes get big because you can have, you know, 50 or 60 reps. But you might not get your yeah. sack, right? So, like, when it comes to <laughs> impacting the game in ways beyond just the box score, how much pride do you take in that? And and how, what can you tell, like, the casual observer of a football game that says, well, Ogba didn't have any sacks, but I'm over here saying he had five quarterback hits and two of those yeah. hits led to a pick. Like, what what's the, the overall team identity or team plan for the pass rush to to impact the passing game?
0: Um, it starts with everybody, you know. Just because you don't get the sacks don't mean you're not really affecting the quarterback. And that's where a lot of people, you know, fail to see. Um, um, just because the numbers aren't there, doesn't mean you're affecting. Them. Like, let's say, like you get some hurries in the game, like like you said, five hurries in the game, like that's affecting the quarterback. Like that's making him throw uncomfortable throws, and and that's what you're you're here to do. You're here to affect the quarterbacks, you know, to so, um, to just just cause trouble with the offense. But yeah, and 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 also the DBs, it works hand in hand, you know. Uh, D line play and uh, corner player work hand in hand. They can hold their hold their receiver and give us time to get back to the quarterback. So, I mean, that's that's usually how I I, I go about things. That's usually how I I play the game. I know it's a team sport, and all the positions work hand in hand, and we make each other better, pretty much.
1: And that was very evident this year, by the way, this Dolphins defense played throughout the course of the season. You know, you mentioned the, the team aspect of it and how all 11 parts have to work, you know, in synchronicity with the play call of the coaching staff. So really there's more than 11 guys yeah. that go into a given play. But, you know, one of the things yeah. I love watching about this pass rush is, is the – the commitment to gap integrity. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what staying in your rush lane means opposed to maybe, you know, some schemes they'll have a, a, a pass rusher just try to win with speed and off the line, right, and they get upfield and yeah. they wind up behind the quarterback. Like, is that kind of the opposite of what you want to do? Like, what does gap integrity mean to you?
0: Well, gap integrity means to me, and it's like, you got to trust your brother to stay in this gap and not, you know – you know, once in a while you can take chances if you know you can make that play. But um, but then again, you have to, like, trust your brothers. You have to trust, like, each of them will stay in their gap. And, yeah, I think that's one thing, you know, we preach there. Well, coaches preach about not rushing past the quarterback, kind of got to keep the quarterback in front of you because when you take that chance and rush your feet and run past the quarterback, then you're leaving your other 10 players to dry, you know. And, you know, we, we all got to, you know, keep out. Our gaps, and you know, we can't let the quarterback out of our sight. Yeah,
1: because it it takes one one blown assignment to ruin a play, right? That's how it works.
0: Exactly, just one one mistake and mess everything up.
1: So, one of the things you do in this defense, also Emmanuel, we got Emmanuel Ogba, Dolphins defensive end here on the Drive Time podcast. Is you rush from so many positions, and I mentioned this to you off air that so many of those sacks and those pressures came from the three tech, the five tech, you know, the wide nine or the six, and whatever it might be, you found a way to get pressure on the quarterback. You know, you mentioned your eyes get big when you when you close on the quarterback, but like there was a rep for instance where you were in the 6 tech and you had a tight end one-on-one and they tried to bring a running yeah. back over to block to block you to help and you threw the tight end so far that the running back couldn't get in your lane. Like <laughs> do your eyes get big on certain matchups like when you do get that that 6 tech against a tight end like do you think all right, this is my time right here?
0: Yeah, it's like to be honest, when I when uh, they put a tight end in front of me, I just feel like it's a kind of a disrespect. Yep. To be honest, that's just that's just my mindset, you know, going in into the game. But you know, I definitely respect a lot of tight ends in this league. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like if you leave me one on one a tight end, I'm expected to win that matchup. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh but yeah it's just every time when that happens i'm like oh like i it's like okay y'all bring a tight end to to help on the pass play oh nah this ain't it i oh, don't know it's just a, <laughs> just an action just to get off the ball you know and just like get back there as quick as i can
1: we got to flash the jordan meme right here on the screen where it says and i took that personally
0: <laughs> yeah, I took first personally, for sure. <laughs> exactly,
1: man. So so you go from that position out wide where you are going up against a guy like a tight end, but then you're also capable of kicking into the three technique. And again, another mm-hmm. one of these sacks, you, you you line up over the right guard or off the right guard's uh, outside mm-hmm. shoulder, and you just... The gap integrity, the bull rush. You kind of keep your eyes on the quarterback. You, I mentioned the hands. You, you do this thing where you kind of you get your hands on the inside chest play, and then it's all about kind of changing his momentum. But when you get inside in yeah. those three technique positions, like, do you do you view that with the same approach? Like, is the, does the approach change when you move positions across the defensive line?
0: I feel like I use more of my speed when I'm in the uh, inside because I'm smaller than the guy that I'm going up against. So I use more of my speed, you know, to beat the officer guard because officer guard are usually like slower because that's why they play inside more. So I use more of my speed either to get their hands off me as quick as they can and or just kinda like run right past them because they can't really handle the speed.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that, that was what I saw on that on that play was you yeah. you kind of work to get his hands clean. And then he, you you mentioned like the, the idea of pass rushing, and tell me if this is wrong, Emmanuel, is to yeah. get a player leaning one direction and then go the opposite direction like is that kind of the general idea
0: it's, it's a little bit of that for sure you have to get them off balance if you get them off balance they're beat for sure because you can't block you can this league, you can't block somebody just with one hand yeah it's it's kind of impossible to do that but uh some guys do it but uh <laughs> but nah But if you could get an office alignment off balance oh i feel like you you, you, you beat them you got them beat yeah, Pretty much.
1: There was a rep, man. It was against the Jets where the, the guy that was blocking you, I don't know who it was, or I think he was a right tackle, but his he winds yeah. up with his hands at his side because you had chopped him and then his helmet yeah. is in your chest. I'm thinking, oh boy, Emmanuel's got him right where he wants him right here over his skis. Yeah. Uh, no hands, yeah. no hands place. So it's like I said, man, it's a lot of fun to watch your tape. want to ask you a couple more questions here. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, the gap integrity and, and, and being there for your brother's What's it like? What was it like for the first year for you playing under Coach Flores and this defense with he and Josh Boyer and and just kind of the the general culture that you've observed here from the Dolphins in year one?
0: Uh, it was, it was different. Um, uh, you know, first of all, you know, leaving Kansas City and coming here, uh, I left Kansas City because you know they known as winners. You know, so I came over here, you know, just expect to bring that winning tradition with me, and you know, Flo instilled in us, you know, this is a it's a brotherhood, it's a family. And we all rise for each other, and we all make each other better. And he thrives on competition, so that's why he brings competition. But uh, uh, I like I like how things were going this year. You know, we were going through a pandemic, and we were still, you know, able to be close to each other. And that's one thing I liked about this team: where we we kept that brotherhood and that circle tight. And that that had, that has a lot to do with us winning a lot of games too that we did this year.
1: That it shows up in the, in the biggest way possible, man. I think that was why one of the reasons why Dolphins fans really kind of gravitated towards this year's team more than maybe some in the past, because you guys just had so okay. much fun playing together and it showed when we saw you guys on Sundays. I want to ask you this yeah. question here, Emmanuel, maybe this is tough for you to think about, but did you have a favorite part, like one moment that really stands out to you, whether it was, you know, goofing around the locker room or maybe it was on the team plane or, you know, after a victory, did you have a favorite moment from year one as a Dolphin?
0: I'll say that Oakland game, you know. <laughs> yeah. That Oakland game. Um, I'll say that was my favorite moment because, to be honest with you, like, I knew it wasn't over, but, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, dang, like, we should have had this game type shit. But I knew it wasn't over. But, uh, you know, I'll say when Fist threw that pass, and, you know, and, and uh, Matt caught it. Oh, boy. I was sitting I was, I was there. I was, I was, Dan, I was, I was, oh, my gosh, did this just really, really just happen? So I said, that was pretty much an amazing moment. And then Jason kicked that game in the field, though, which I turned my head. I couldn't even watch it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, I, I'll say that game right there is really, you know, was the, the game I was really excited about as a Dolphin. Even though it was like the second to the last game, I had a lot of great moments, but I'll say that's the one that, you know, I, I'll definitely talk about for for a very, very, very long time. Some kids, kids, and all
1: that. Yeah, 19 seconds left. Got to go the entire field. That's just that the, the yeah. odds aren't great that you're going to do it. But of course, Fitz and, and Matt Collins made that that fantastic yeah. play. So, so we're talking about the season. We got the upcoming season, and you know, I. Emmanuel, i'm sure you're not wanting to host because you probably are enjoying a little bit of downtime right now but man i can't wait for august and training camp uh to get to get back here and watch you guys go at it and do this thing again but what do you got in the meantime man like what's coming up fun for you from a vacation standpoint hanging out chilling Mm i know you i know you stay in south florida but what's what's coming up this off season for you
0: um well you know due to covid i i couldn't really uh, travel anywhere that i kind of wanted i wanted to leave the country i went to like go to a place I wanna to go to, like Mexico I wanna to go to Europe but I really couldn't do that because of uh, of covid but uh you know I just I I have plans on going to probably like Colorado I wanna skate I wanna snowboard cuz I've never been snowboarding before I know Aspen's would be a good spot you know to go out there um uh, and just you know check it out but that's probably that's that's one of my trips I think I got I got plans for this not this month, but next month, I, I gotta go to uh, Colorado. Hang on now, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I'm still, yeah, I'm still, I'm still trying to decide, you know, place to go, and then also, you know, keeping this training routine going since I kind of started now a little bit, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, Emmanuel, I can't, I can't let you go on that. You gotta tell us more about this snowboarding idea. Where, like, where did this come from? <laughs> okay, so, like, you know, I know you've you've mentioned before that you you watched some Cam Wake in the past. I don't know if you knew this, but Cam Wake was a big skier. He likes to ski. So, again, the '91 really? comparisons coming over here. Like, where did this this uh, this idea to go snowboarding come from?
0: Nah. So growing up, I used to be a skateboarder. I, I skateboarded a lot growing up, and so I just. I just felt like snowboarding would be similar to you know skateboarding, so I mean I've never done it before, so it's something I would like to try just to see if I'm good at it, I guess. So, <laughs> so when you just, say you were
1: skateboarding just... younger, how young are we talking
0: here? Uh, I didn't I didn't really stop skateboarding until like my sophomore year of high school. Really? So I was I, was, I was, yeah I skateboarded for I'll say like I started really in like sixth seventh grade. Yeah, I didn't stop to like my sophomore year of high school.
1: I'm just like, when did, when did you hit that growth spurt? Because I'm sitting here trying to picture a six foot four, 275 pound guy on a skateboard, and I don't know how it <laughs> works, man.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I was first, I was not always this big, you know, I was always the squatter kid, but then again, I had really long arms, so I kind of knew I was gonna get like I was gonna go into them, but uh. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I did a lot of things, you know. As as a young kid, you know, I tried a lot of things, and uh, just to find what I'm good at. And you know, football is what I was really good at. You know, so <laughs> I stuck with. It.
1: Well, I I know that it's probably in your contract to stay away from skateboards these days. But if I asked you to do a kickflip right now, could you do it?
0: A kickflip? Yeah. Ooh, it's been years. <laughs> I could I could I could, try, I could try. I I think I could do it, but. It's been years, so it might not be as good, yeah. as it was in the past. But yeah, I could do a kickflip. That's kind of like basic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> skateboard one hundred
1: one. I was on my. Uh, I was bored today. I was on Facebook this morning, and I, I went through some of my old photos, and I actually have a video of myself from like ten years ago, skateboarding, grinding a rail, going down a hill, and then uh, doing really? some, some work on on the coping on some some ramps down there. So maybe maybe we bust uh, a skateboard out one of these days at practice and we put this kickflip thing to a test. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Oh yeah. Hey, I'm down. Hey, I'm down. I got to get, I got to get a little bit practice in before though, <laughs> but yeah, I'm down for sure.
1: Well, we'll, we'll make sure that everyone's cool with that. Cause once again, skateboarding, uh, maybe we'll put it on the grass cause you know, <laughs> skateboarding on yeah, the cement, yeah. that's asking for an accident. <laughs> so the kickflip on the grass, maybe that's the competition.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's fine. That works for me, too. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, brother. Emmanuel Ogba, fantastic job on the podcast, man. Fantastic job this year. Your Dolphins defense end. Nine sacks this year and uh, tons, tons of pressures and quarterback hits and a big part of so many takeaways. The number one takeaway defense in the NFL, number one third down defense in the NFL. Emmanuel, thank you so much for your time today, man. We'll talk to you soon and enjoy the rest of your offseason,
0: dude. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate you having me on the show and God bless. Thank you.
1: Yeah, God bless. Back at you, Emmanuel. Appreciate your time today. There he goes, Dolphins defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba. What a fun interview that was. Kind of getting a peek behind the curtain of how the pass rush game works as well as his offseason regiment, talking some football there and some possible uh, high school skateboarding. I'd love to see some footage there of Emmanuel Ogba on a skateboard in high school. All right, that's going to be my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.